Jeff Ogilvy survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Badley has waited. Curry Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Stand in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last, Greg Norman. Gets his name on the Stonehaven Cup. Leash to 11-under. We've got a new leader, kids. Here it is. Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going inside the ropes. Subscribe now on iTunes or your favourite podcast app or head to golf.org.au. G'day everybody, welcome to the show, it is Inside the Ropes, episode number 75. That was last year, I think we are up, up to about episode number 52, so I don't know what's happened since I've been away. It's been an absolute free-for-all. Mark yeah. Hayes, how many episodes have you done in the last two and a half weeks? Yeah, no, we racked them up. Um, we've gone from Sean Wren to some number that you might have once worn right. playing for one of the collegiate football yeah, teams, Sandy, I'm not yeah. sure. I should have, mate. But yeah, no, it's been um, a busy time. Uh, it has, and it has. I have to tell you, despite us giving you a fearful caning every time we logged on, we missed your presence, I can assure you, none uh, more so than me. I'm not sure that's necessarily true, but I appreciate you saying it nonetheless. Uh, it's lovely to be here. My Clayton is here. Uh, a joy to see your smiling face. Clayton, how are you? Uh, all good, Andy. Excellent. And sitting alongside you is one of the other great smiling faces from the world of international golf, John Huggin. Hello, Huggy. It's nice to be here. It's a- Honour for me to be on with an award-winning no. broadcaster like yourself. No, I just join the likes of you three as award-winning <laughs> uh, in your particular fields, no matter what they might be. Well, I yeah, missed. Hang on, we can't yeah. brush over that. We've got to explain yeah, it. Even if even if you <laughs> blush can. for a second, what, Huggy's referring to your trophy at the Australian Golf Media Association. Um, we've already given Clates praise for his victory. I believe. Do we give you a bit of a pat? Yeah. Clates also won one for a column. Um, that he wrote was it in Golf Victoria magazine? I think it was. All, all of it phases into insignificance compared with Mary Thompson's speech, which we should play, but we probably can't. It's probably is that beyond the capabilities of you, the show to, to if you'd play brought it Mary up. Thompson's if you brought it up before we started rolling, we might have been able. Why to was it, it so good? <laughs> One of the greatest speeches ever, wasn't it? Huggy, you yeah, were there. It was pretty good. Yeah. Why? Well, Mary, they, the RNA, so Mary Thompson is the RNA, Peter Thompson's wife. So the RNA came out and presented a replica. Slightly undersized, which is the normal one the champions get. Of just talk, Claret Joe. I don't know how many times you have to tell you this. Can you just put that microphone right there? Yeah, there. Right. Now, so <laughs> the Claret Jug with the winners all the way through to 1965. And she made a short speech about, thank you very much. It's been overwhelming since Peter died. How kind you've all been. And Peter was part of the media and he felt, you know, it was an important part of golf. And I'd just like to finish off with a small story about, I think it was she, the Open at Litham, which was 1996. It would be 1996, yeah. How she walked into the Garrard's shop and a very proper young man dressed up and she put on the perfect accent. Um, how much are these trophies to buy? Garrard's are the jewellers, it should be made clear. And who the make the trophies. Yeah. How much are the trophies? Oh, madam, we only sell to winners of the championship and their families. Oh, well, my husband did win the championship. Oh, and when did your husband win the championship? 
Good morning. And she, uh, that was the end of the speech. <laughs> oh, just, she absolutely nailed it. It was perfect. That was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. great. So just wrapping it, you won the best oral oh, I thought we might have been able to get no. away from well, that. Yeah. So congratulations to both of you guys. No, 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 thanks to Jared, of course. So... Um, so I missed AO Radio. I missed our time together, our kind of weekly, our annual kind of sabbatical yeah. together. I was very upset that you weren't there. Well, I was upset that AO Radio wasn't there, to be honest. I think that um, if we can fight for our own little patch of dirt, because no one else seems to want it, we may as well. I think it would become, in a game that needs support, you know, from all levels of media, I think it would become um, an important part of the ongoing coverage of our national championship. And I was disappointed for whatever reason that it wasn't there this year. Well, it had a much underestimated reach. I mean, uh, as a perfect example, my brother-in-law, who lives in Ecuador, of all places, he was listening to it last year on the internet. So it's amazing how, how much reach it can get. Huggy, I need you to get close to your microphone too, if you okay. wouldn't mind. You and Clayton. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, yeah, I'm, well, I was disappointed. I mean, I don't need to... We don't... Here and now is probably not the right time. No, going no, to it's the time to put everything but, on the table. It's fine. Yeah, but it was... Um, I think it was it was missed. No? I don't think there's any doubt in that. And we had plenty of people come up to us and say, where are those earpieces this year mm. on course? And, it, and that is uh, over and above what Huggy's talking about. We, we had um, a marked downturn in... Um, overseas hits, and I'm, that has to be down to AO Radio because um, people were tuning in last year and they weren't this year. So, mm. um, yeah, it, it, I would hazard a guess and say it'll be back next year, but it would died for economic reasons. Um, well, not died, it's dormant. But, uh, yeah, we copped enough flack to suggest that it should be back um, at least bigger, hopefully better, yeah. uh, in 20, 2019 at the Australian. Well, having it back would be good in and of itself if that was all it was. Well, actually, while we're at that, I mean, I'll, I'll put this on the table because this may not happen, and I, I'll, I'll just get myself in trouble with the USPGA two or 500 times this show, so I may as well make it 501. <laughs> um, we're going to put it to them that, you know, we do the radio. We extend it out the following week after the Australian Open and broadcast the President's Cup as well. So there'll be an international flavour on what the President's Cup coverage can look like. So Correct. whether they take that up or not, I've got no idea. We'll be pushing to make that happen. We'll see where it goes to. Well, that would be that would be something. I'd be shocked, but I'll be really shocked. But I'm um, yeah. bugger it. Let's put it out there because we've got to fight for our patch. You're right, Andy. So you guys have been together, you know, for the last couple of weeks. You know, World Cup last week, Australian Open before it, and I'm sure that during the you know play of during the day's play and you know post day's play, you've been you know kind of discussing the various merits and qualities and. Um, elements of everything that we've seen over the last fortnight. Now, I haven't been part of any of those conversations. So, in a nutshell, from somebody who hasn't been part of your conversations, let me ask you some questions. At the end of the last fortnight, but going back two weeks to the Australian Open, what's the heartbeat of the Australian Open like right now? How strong is it? I, I think it's got huge potential, which goes without saying almost, but the, this is almost going to be the washed year to rate how well the Australian Open's doing because the date was moved a week because of the uh, the World Cup. It then clashed with the DP World Championship in Europe, which eliminated the top 60 money winners on the European mm. Tour, some of whom are Australians. I mean, you lost Alexa Lucas-Herbert. Uh, Ormsby is another one who wasn't there. Yeah. So, And you lost any chance of getting any of the top Europeans to play. It, it, it's, it's the worst possible scenario 
this year. I think it, it can only get better from here. This is the the deer, I think, of, mm. for the Australian Open in terms of the date. It needs to move, as I've said many times, and I think you guys probably have too, it needs to move to February. It needs to get itself on the European Tour and be part of a three, four-week run on the European Tour in Australia. So why is this not happening? I mean, there seems to be a lot of people who share the view about the changing of the date. I don't know whether there's a GA reason for this. I don't. I, don't, I actually don't know whether there is a particularly strong reason as to why this isn't being proposed, particularly if it will lend itself to getting state, co-sanctioning status somewhere. It's crazy that, the, with all due respect to the PGA, and good luck to it, but it's crazy that the PGA of Australia and the Vic Open for the men and the women carry greater potential benefits to the winner well, than the Australian in, Open does. Like, it doesn't make any in sense. In Queensland this week than there was at the Australian Open mm. because it's not part of the European Tour. It's, you know, normally the Australian Open is better right at the top, but they didn't even have that this year because of the absentees. But top to bottom, this field this week is, is better than the Australian Open, and it should not be that way. So can anyone tell me why it's not happening? Uh, so further to what Huggy said about the Australian Open date, not only did it clash a lot with Europe, it threw us right into Q schools around the world. Mm. And equally as importantly for the number of Australians who couldn't make it was that we were still playing, goal, or the US Tour was still playing their fall series when we were playing the Australian Open. So we had Curtis Luck, mm. we had Stuart Appleby, Aaron Baddeley, any number of guys. Matt Jones. Still th- yeah, mm. Matt Jones still throwing it around mm. uh, at Sea Island of all places. Um, plus plus we had the you know nearly farcical thing of guys rocking up from Mayakoba on the on the Wednesday morning of the national championship. So, you know, there's a lot of things going on and that doesn't take into account Latino America or the Japan tour or anything like that going on up North as well. Um, as far as an answer next year, it'll be really interesting to see whether December could potentially work. Although we're going to get another skewed crop because of the dates around the president's cup. Um, the problem with February is obviously four weeks in Australia would be a, a long haul. That would necessitate, if we were to do that, that Huggy's talking about, PGA, Australian Open, now um, Vic Open, and the Perth Super Sixes. Um, it's, it's a long haul to be in. And I don't know, from my understanding, and I apologise if I'm speaking out of school here, but my understanding is unless the Australian Open, or the PGA for that matter, can guarantee a purse of X million euros... The European Tour won't give it standalone status. So they want to have TV golf playing all around the clock if they can possibly manage it. So unless it was a Rolex Series level event, we stand the risk of having the Australian Open go against the Mauritius Open hmm. or the Schwani Open or some other tournament that's in a totally different time zone on the African continent somewhere. Uh, won't be in Europe at that time, obviously. No, um, but it's a massive, massive thing. Like you don't want the Australian Open playing against the Mauritius Open and have what slim pickings we'll get from the European tour because a $2 million tournament won't get them down mm-hmm. or especially a $1.25 million tournament. Um, going against, uh, you know, that would be easier to get to Mauritius and probably more lucrative for the players. It doesn't necessarily guarantee it's a better field. I agree in theory, but there's still pitfalls. Does that make sense? I don't know. It does. Yeah, no, it does. It does. What, Clates, what, what I can't, what I fail to grasp is that, I would have thought that this was a title to be cherished by any professional golfer. Unless you're one of the three best Australians. Well, well, and we'll talk about that in a moment, because you know, there's various reasons, and there's something I want you to clear up for me if you can. But is it, has it, 
lost its status. Don't worry about actual status, but having get, get just to get your name on a trophy. Does that mean anything to a modern day professional golfer? Unless you're born in Australia and the Australian Open, you know, like surely a 26 year old kid coming through the ranks somewhere should know that they're the the, the great players have got their names on the Australian Open trophy. This is where it used to sit in the game, and that is something that I should covet. Yeah. Um, does that? Does that? Does that? They don't give us stuff about that about, anymore. Make about money, and they make so much. The problem is they make so much money. When Nicholas and Player and Palmer came down because they had a deal with Station yep. just that was worth for the time at the time a significant amount of money. So the to- the tournament budget that their money largely wasn't coming out of the tournament budget. Stations were paying it. That's why they came here. So they perhaps overinflated the worth of the Australian Open because they came down here to, to satisfy the Schlesinger contract they had. So that kind of perhaps that distorted a bit the importance of the Open. But they made it – But for, and they were foreign guys. For Australians, it should be the most important tournament outside the majors because that, that, that's the one you – before you dream about winning the Masters, you were dreaming about winning the Australian Open. But if you can't rely on – Adam Scott and Mark Leishman and Jason Day turn up and play, then you're in tr- big trouble. I don't know who's well, – we, well, we can't do know whose fault it is, but, you know. Whose fault is it? Well, Jason's manager. And Adam for, you know, it was a mess with Golf Australia. They paid you – know, the, the prodigal son came home and Adam had done a cut-rate deal for the Open, was left out in the dark with, you know, I've given you guys a you know, pretty good deal for a few years. Now – He's getting all the money and there's none for me. I'm out of here. So because they paid Jason well, Day more. That's that's my simplistic reading yeah, of it. Yeah. Unless someone comes up with a better answer of what happened, that's going to be my push. And you can't. I mean, Adam's been amazing, but but at some point, Adam, you have to turn up. Yeah. You can't just blow everyone off forever. Adam Scott didn't do himself. I, I don't mind that he's said what he said this year, and he's definitely got credits in the bank. So you I mean he's got more credits than just about anyone going around. Maybe Jeff Ogilvy and Greg Chalmers in right. the same category. Don't have any more. He's got way less credits than Peter Thompson and Kel Nagel. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No doubt about that. And if it wasn't but for he, them, you know, it's the old story. But you now those guys turned up. Hell, or they turned up and yeah. they played. And, and we heard so, what Peter Lonard said, didn't we, when we interviewed yeah. him a few weeks ago on the podcast. It was, it was fascinating, you know. But Adam Scott didn't do himself any favours this, this time around because he turned up in Sydney for a function for his own charity on the week of the Australian Open. Mm. So people put two and two together and come up with 600. Um, that's the court of public opinion. We have no no control over whatsoever. That didn't sit well with quite a few people. And it that's not a Golf Australia thing. That's just an expression of what the public was saying that week. Didn't I see him in the paper here this week? And the answer is, of course, yes. Why isn't he here? Um, yeah, it's awkward. It was the same for Leishman. I saw pictures of Mark Leishman at home with a... Begins with W. It's a word I'm having trouble pronouncing. Yeah. There you go. That's the one. <laughs> would, he was he was at home that? the weekend of the Australian Open, so he was yeah. in the country. Yeah. So so sorry. I'm prepared to cut him slack. I I I probably go at odds with with Huggy and Clay here, and they'll probably smash me in a minute. But at least he said to his wife, "I'm this is what I'm not going to do," mm. and he's true to that. And it's not to do with money or anything like that. Mm. Not a great look that you're in the Sunday Herald Sun on the week of the Australian Open. So, so all the reasons why players, as you've outlined, Q School, Tour Finals, huge money, huge opportunity, they all make sense, right? They, in and of it, all of those reasons are legitimate reasons. Huggy, over in Europe, when you have you know your Irish Open, 
or your Scottish Open, what, what's the reaction over there if Irish players don't turn up to play in their National Open? Well, Do they suffer the same scrutiny? Yeah, to an extent. The, 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 the Irish Open, to be fair, was almost dead five or six years ago. If it wasn't for Rory McIlroy, there, there might not be an Irish Open right now because he came in, he, he's hosted it in inverted commas, Last yeah. few years, he's stopped. He's, I think he's finished with that now. But he's resurrected the, the thing. I mean, it's now got the, a great date. It's two weeks before the Open. It goes Irish Open, Scottish Open, Open. So if anybody you know fancies three weeks of Lynx golf on the European Tour, there's nowhere better. It's the best three weeks of the year. Absolutely. No, yeah. And it's a, the Irish Open is a terrific tournament now. They got they get huge crowds in Ireland. I mean, they'll they had, there's a reason they had to make the next year's open all ticket at, at Port Rush. I mean, the Irish will show up and watch the grass grow. Uh. It's unbelievable how the, the crowds are. <laughs> Seriously, it's, they're incredible. The best fans in the world in terms of showing up. And But the whole thing now is, you know, as I say, the, the contrast between five or six years ago and now is night and day. But it, only because of Rory. Rory, this is the other side of the coin that we've just been talking about. Rory pitched up and, and he's, as I say, he's resurrected the whole thing. So how do we, how does that happen? Is there a Rory? Is there a saviour of the Australian Open? Does it take does it take a date change so that every Australian player can at least get it? If it was just an if it was a tournament with just every Australian player in it, let, let's imagine that as just a hypothetical. Well, well, here, but it'd be a fantastic golf tournament if yeah. every Australian player on the planet, male, who could play in the Australian Men's Open, turned up to play in it. Wouldn't it be a fantastic tournament? Well, that's the it would be the male is the operative word there. Because the Vic Open is by far, will be by far the best golf tournament in Australia when they have it in February. By mm. far. Not the best title, but by far the best tournament. Because the women are playing and the women will they'll have a great field of women players. There'll be a decent field of men and a great field of women. And it'll, it'll be a great event to go to and a great place to go and watch golf. But the problem with, my, the, problem with the Open is that because it's not a great event, if, the best, if, you, if you don't have two or three players turn up, then it's no good. Do you mean social event or a tournament? Yeah, yeah. the Vic Open has morphed by design and accident into a great event that people go to because that well, one that's in Geelong, so people appreciate sport coming to a a rural or, or a, for one of a better word, a country town, yep. which is not it's a, it's a decent no. sized city. But the people down there appreciate it. You go to Sydney and Melbourne, Tigers not there, they're moaning about it, uh. which is you know there are two sides to that argument. But the Vic Open is a great event with basically no field, but a great format, that's morphed into a great event But now because it's going to have a great field next year. They have some of the best women players in the world. That's going to be awesome. It'll be yeah. a fantastic. So how does the Open become a great event that's not reliant on one or two players to that if they don't turn up, it's no good? What's the Which answer? Which what happened this year. Okay, so have you got an answer to that question? Well, one of the answers is to, I've had several people say, well, perhaps you do the same thing with the Australian Open as you do with the women. Is that possible? Open. Sure, it's possible. Anything's possible. The Vic Open can do it. The Australian Open can do it. You combine the men's and women's Open. You play at Royal Melbourne or Peninsula or the Grange in Adelaide. Yep, I think you need a 36-hole place to do it. Yep. And you at least give it a go, even if you do only do it once every five years. But What do you think, you two? Do you like that idea? Is that something that could be considered? You've got a big smile on your face, Hazy. Is that something that could it, it, we should throw into the melting pot and have a chat about here? Or? Absolutely no reason why not. Can you come up with a reason why they wouldn't do that or shouldn't do that? I can't. <laughs> I mean, golf's got oh, a, you know, it's got a ridiculous diet of three or four 72-hole tournaments 
all around the world every week of the year, pretty much. Yeah, it's true. I mean, right. how much can you, as, as Andrew Chubby Chandler said, how long can we keep serving up the same stuff? Yeah. Well, so, I, I, w- I would go even further with the Vic Open. I would go, you know, they go men, women, men, women. I would actually mix up the groups. I'd have the men and women playing alongside each other in, in each group, playing off the different tees, obviously, but playing together. That, that to me, is the ultimate. That's what they should be doing. That's an interesting evolution if it if, it, if it ever came about. So backtrack just a step. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm long since been on record about boring 72-hole medal play because every tournament thinks it's the most important tournament in the world. We can't change our format. Well, what a load of crap that is. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously. Anyway, um, to the combined Australian Open, uh, not it wouldn't make no one more happy than myself if that were to eventuate. There's just a lot of contractual issues around things that have been... Uh, and I know contracts can be broken, and maybe they can be in time. But for right now, the men's opens booked to be in Sydney until 2023, and with a couple of out years in Victoria. And the contract um, around that is is the men's Australian Open. It's not um, not to change venues. It's, you know, we've got a, an existing sponsor in the New South Wales government, uh, and you know it's going to be hard pressed to to get that over the line before 2023. I would love to see it because. We should not fail to mention here, Andy, maybe we do it more in depth later. The Australian All Abilities Championship and the somewhat strangely named Disabled Cup at the World Cup this past week uh, were revelations, absolute revelations. And Australia's got a great history, modern history of innovation and then letting things go. The World Perth Super Super Sixes is awesome. An Australian invention. It's gone to Europe, which is great. But it was an Australian idea. The Vic Open will no doubt go somewhere else and be done better. By virtue of the success of the Australian All Abilities Championship, that will get taken and morphed in somewhere in the States or Europe again, and it'll be by default become bigger. We need to cling on to these ideas and develop them, push as hard as we can, because that's what we've got. We cannot be the US Open. We cannot be the, even the Irish Open. Hmm. We haven't got the money, the calendar spot, anything. We've got to punch with what we've got. That's something we could get done. Yeah, the European Tour are, are edging towards this kind of thing. They've, they've had some innovative things. They've the Super Sixes. They've had the, the Shot Clock Masters. And the Scottish Open last year, or this year, was played on the same... The Women's Open and the Scottish Open were played on the same golf course two weeks apart. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. It's going to be the same again next year. Yeah. So we're all, you know, we're, we're following your lead, if you like. I mean, we're edging towards all that stuff. And I'm all for it. I, I, not all these things are going to work. But let's try them and see, yeah. because I, I'm like you. I'm fed up with 72-hole stroke play. Yeah. 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 Any, anything else on that before? Well, even read? if they only do it once every five years. Hmm. Every, odd, every mm. zero year and zero five year, you went to Royal Melbourne or Peninsula or, and you played them and you joined it up. i got a better one Play for them you. Together. Go on. How about, how about we sort of make the World Cup our own and get back a third event in Australia? And how about we make that a fair income mixed event? Well, that, that's what it. I mean, that's what it needs. That, that's what that thing's crying, crying out, for, out for. Absolutely, it is. Yeah, I, I mean, you and know, no, and no offence to um, Greece or Zimbabwe, but the, honestly, we saw some scores there. You just could not believe that mm. uh, at Metro the other day. We could short. We could sh- sharpen that field up to the top twenty nations, men's and women's. That would be a brilliant mm. event, and we could play all sorts of different formats. Not and we could we could test what the Olympics could be at the World Cup. Mm. It could be mixed. It could be some form of Ambrose. Could be Canadian foursomes. Could be anything. Jensen's really doesn't matter. But we should have a crack at doing something different. 
And the fact that we keep banging on about this, but the fact that the best women golfers in the world, uh, pretty much all Asian, Australian, and New Zealanders, don't get to play in any team's event outside that international crown once every two years mm. is pox. Mm. <laughs> the, best, the best team last week should have been um, Happy Barnrat and Jutanaga. Or make it two yeah. each. I, I would, I'd he, like should, to see. he should have picked her and said, I want to play with her. Now, you should have gone to the US Tour. You can't do that. Oh, I want to play with her. And they should have said, good idea. Let's do that. That was as dumb as not letting Mac O'Grady play in the team's championship with himself. Yeah. <laughs> because Mac, play, Mac, wanted, Mac yeah, O'Grady, who plays equally as well left and right-handed, and he's great hitter right-handed, wanted to play in the US when they used to have a team's championship. He wanted to play with himself. Yeah. So Mac O'Grady drove off right-handed, Mac O'Grady drove off left-handed. It would have been the most unbelievable spectacle. Now, you can't do that. Well, that's, that's some pretty smart thinking. Yeah, he also it. wanted to play in the U.S. Amateur as, as a left-hander because he, he turned right, pro he as a right-hander. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and the USGA wouldn't let him play in the U.S. Amateur left-handed. I mean, yeah. they've got no sense of humor. Yeah. Uh, but, but Aria playing with Happy Barnett last week would have been fantastic. Because she, she's one of the few women who could compete at that level and not, you know, she hits. She's powerful enough to yeah. play at that level and, and not and not play for last place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that have finished. That have beat six teams last week if she'd played easily. Well, they've beaten. That they would have beaten the Thai team as it teed up in they the event. Probably would have. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's a better yeah. player than Prom Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they certainly would have beaten Greece. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So P- probably would have beaten America too. The way they went. That's true too. Yeah. They so, tied with wheels. That golfing powerhouse. Yeah. Who played for them? <laughs> Manly and who Bradley else? Dredge. Bradley Dredge. Oh, he's yeah. a good player. One of the great names in sport. Yeah, yeah that's a bad yeah, The World yeah. Cup still means something, though, doesn't it? Like, yeah, the Belgians are fantastic. That's a cash grab. Is it no good? That's no, just a cash grab. Is it grab. rubbish now? Or well, not? I, I, a cash I, grab. I was looking at the Scottish press. Now, the Scottish team last year, we were actually one of the few countries that sent our two best players. They didn't play very well. They were 14th or something, middle of the pack. Belgium but, did too, by the way. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, but there, there was virtually nothing. It was all the golf reports I read from the newspapers back in Scotland. It was blah 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 blah, and then the last two paragraphs. Meanwhile, Scotland at the World Cup—that was yeah, right. right at the end of the piece, so nobody cared. Were you there for the Champions press conference? Yes. You and I asked Thomas Peters and Thomas Detry if the streets of Brussels or Antwerp would be rocking (laughs) on Sunday night. He said no. Well, that's fair. We all know that. But no, I, mean, I know. But I mean, Seve, won the, Seve won the Masters and they barely knew in Spain. There's something just to warm the cockles of your heart, Clates. So I can see on the other side of the road, three young blokes, all under the age of 35, walking across the... About to go over the train line heading to Royal Burnley. Oh, very good. All with skinny little carry bags. Pencil bags. How good's very that? Very fabulous. Hey, that's a very good nice sign work. for you to... Well, I saw a guy coming down the road the other, the other way about 10 minutes ago. There's three clubs in his hand. Well, there you go. Yeah. Can we can Royal we just talk about the all ability stuff, Andy? <laughs> oh, please do. Yeah, I'd be interested in your take yeah. on that from afar, given that you weren't actively involved in it. Did, what did you think of watching the guys with all the different varying degrees of disability crunching out unbelievable scores? And that was awesome. That was great, and it it was it was all it, we you, we throw words around in those you know like inclusion and th- these are words that a lot of people in executive level of um, you know management, sport, government, whatever, throw out because it makes them feel good, they can be seen to be doing something, and then everyone goes, well, well done, that's great, you know, you're being progressive and this is all great. Well, this was actually going to the next step, to put put these guys in the field, and I would have actually liked to have seen more of it on the coverage. I would have actually 
there were, you know, we saw snippets of, you get sort of two or three minute, and I watched it from afar on the TV, so you get two or three minute sort of, you know, highlights packages. I would have actually liked to have seen more. They were, they were, the way that the able-bodied players uh, reacted to them and responded to them seemed genuine. Um, it was, it was in genuine inclusive, um, genuinely inclusive. Uh, it, it, it opens, it opens doors that have perennially been shut to people who have these sorts of challenges. Um, so I thought it was. I thought it was a fantastic addition to the tournament. Would have liked to have seen more. Is that the right answer? Like, if, if I, there's no right answer. I just well, that, um, does everybody Pastigo, agree that it was a good thing for the tournament? Well, Juan Pastigo, that Spanish kid, he's got he a great swing. Believable. I mean, mm. The swing, he, the plane he swung that club on was amazing. How perfect it was. Perfect. The bike from Sweden. It was the Swedish bike. One of the bearded Swedish bike. He just plays golf. Like he, he was. What he shoot seventy six? No, no, no. On the last day, he shot seventy three, which 73. was better than twenty five pros. Or 25 players in the Australian Open field on the last day. Say no more. On Sunday at oh, on Saturday because it was a two-day event Metro for the um, Disabled Cup. The winning it went and it was team four balls on Saturday. The winning team of Johan Postigo, uh, sorry Juan Postigo, and Brendan Lawler, the Irishman, were three under when they beat Australia six and four on the on the 14th green. This is. <sighs> It's yeah, Red is, is unbelievable. That, that was seriously so good. And, and as you say, Andy, the players came out. There was a guy from um, Dominican Republic, Manuel de los Santos, who played just the most extraordinary oh. shot to finish his round on the on the 18th in Metro in mm. front of a generous gallery huggy. Yeah, it wasn't massive. Yeah. The, a couple of the pros were out Biggest to watch. Biggest cheer of the day. Biggest cheer of the day. And he, and he came up and celebrated and hopped up from the sort of swale and bound up there on his, on his crutches and just took a big bow and saluted the crowd. Right, honestly, everyone was really engaged. Yeah, I've got no doubt they would have been. Um, well, it's good to see the Australian Open um, was nice and progressive. Can't say the same thing for a Ripper, big, big international on. airport. Give it to him. Airline. Give it to him. Clates, read it out. This is. Can this, you read that or your, how are your eyes going? Yeah. This is from right. the sublime of their last two weeks to the ridiculous for Juan Postigo. Juan Postigo. Flying British at British Airways is getting worse by the day. First of all. This is a guy with. This is a, an amputee. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought, was he, I thought he was. Was he amputee or was he born with. Whatever. Doesn't matter. I thought he said he was only born with one leg. That's true. I shouldn't probably whatever. use that Doesn't word, matter. but he's got yeah, one yeah, leg. One leg. Yeah. First yeah. of all, gave me the father sit on the plane. Seat, obviously. Not even help with crutches. Late arrival, 30 minutes late. But the best thing, they told me to run, not to miss my connection. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag like a joke. (laughs) The only thing is he can make fun of it. It It's unbelievable. The best thing I heard up there, Andy, was um, we were talking, did an interview with Juan about, about, uh, you know, the challenges that um, he faces and whatever. And he said, he said, but. I only have to waste time tying one shoe every day. Right. And, uh, you know, yeah, I can get into it quicker than you can. It was, it was, it was very funny. And the, the ones I, I wrote a piece for uh, Golf Australia's website on, the, the I think, the first day of it. Yep. And they, they just want to be treated like golfers. Mm. They, it's, it's easy to fall into being patronizing oh. and all this stuff with those people, but they are not interested in that. No. They're, they think and speak and talk and feel just like the rest of us. They, you know, they've got the same emotions on the golf course as we do, and, the, and we should treat them the same. Yeah, yeah, Manuel, yeah. the Dominican guy, he ground a hole in the t- in the practice <laughs> range at, at Metro. Yeah. Honestly, he's, he desperately wants to be a, a fully-fledged pro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so hashtag like a joke. Um, 
could be a nice segue into something. I'm not sure how much time um, we'll spend on it now that it's been done. But are we all sort of um, rejoicing in the fact that the business of the nonsense in America has taken a massive kick up the arse because they're having to refund all this money because of technical issues in the streaming service and the fact that um, you know the match was also being streamed free uh, in many, many places available to people who had paid 20 bucks for the privilege what, of what, seeing... What are you talking about? Have you no you know, you know what, what I'm talking about. about. I know you have this... You have this, um, <laughs> you have this intellectual sort of blockage, and you are not prepared to discuss it. But are we enjoying the fact that at least there's been a, um, well, sort of blowback to the business I, of this thing, and I, the, refunds are being dished out front and centre? It's a perfect example of crossing the line. We we all talk about you know growing the game and all that infamous phrase. There's a danger that you end up dumbing the game down to such an extent for the benefit of the wider audience, uh, that we get things like this. And I don't think it does the game any good. This, as you, the picture you were just looking at with Phil Mickelson and Tiger with all the piles and piles of money, the wider image of the game has done no, no service by that. I mean, the number of people that I know who don't play golf think that golf is this elitist game for people that all look like us, hmm. middle-aged, grey-haired men. Yeah, white. Exactly, yep. white, yep. exactly. Uh, th- that sort of thing does does us no good whatsoever. In fact, it does us more harm than good. So what are they thinking? You, you, to, hey, Mike, you pretend to be Phil, right? Hazy, you pretend to be Tiger. There's a photographer, and, and, and Huggy, you can pretend to be their management, right? There's a photographer who says, here's nine, ostensibly, $9 million piled up. We're going to get you to... Wrap your arms around with your eyes bugging out of your head. We're going to take a photo, and that's going to be a promo shot that's going to go. You are actually allowed to say no if you're one of these folks. Phil, why did you think that was a good idea to have that photo taken? <laughs> Seriously, why, why did anyone think? Why did you allow that to happen? And you too, Tiger. What were now, you thinking? Now, I'm oh, Mark Steinberg. And what are you asked, doing, Steiny? You've asked too many questions already. That's the <laughs> <interview>. <laughs> As Phil said after his... Beautiful double bogey that made Australia very happy at the 2006 US Open. I'm such an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) So cut and paste. (laughs) Seriously, Hazy. And I'm too busy um, flipping right, Andy, to um, answer your questions. (laughs) (laughs) If if they'd said, (laughs) we're going to give all them two guys who were born in California, grew up in California, we're going to give our money to the bushfire victims here, then okay, fair enough. But... In fact, great. But I'd rather go and watch a rerun of the 1977 British Open. Mm. It's more, still more exciting than that rubbish. A million but, things but I'd think, rather watch. But, but was it a conflict? Flop, wasn't it? I it, was a, it was a debacle. I don't know how many people watched it. But but it was always going to be a complete flop, I yeah. thought. Well, that, that was up in the air. I mean, if, it had been, if they'd gone out and shot 62 against 63... It might, the reaction certainly might have been different, because but the golf wasn't very good by all accounts. Well, I heard Ernie. Ernie yeah. talked about this uh, yesterday. I heard Ernie interviewed on, on SEN, and they asked him whether he saw much of it. And he said, oh, well, I did, and I was travelling, and I was busy with other things, but I did see some highlights. And his words were, they both look pretty scratchy. Hmm. I mean, why the hell are you... I, if, if they're at their absolute pop, 
you know, if they've won six of the last ten majors between them and they are dominant forces, the likes of which the game has never seen before, and there's an element of we're going to give this to them and they need it more than us, then maybe, maybe there's a reason for the great match. But not now, not at this stage of their careers when they are scratchy. You've got to ask yourself a basic question. Why should I care about this? And I couldn't come up with one reason why I should care. So why does why, okay, why why do people who aren't as um, profoundly in love with the game and is and, in, and and understand it the way you guys do, the tabloid consumers of sport, why are they interested in this? Well, it's, what it's, do they get out of it's this? It's like I said, it's it's, it's crossing the line, and you never you have to dumb it down for want of a better phrase. If you're looking for a wider audience, because golf is, you know, it's a inward-looking game in many ways. I mean, we don't, you know, once you're in the golf club, you're in the, either in the golf club or you're not in the golf club. So the ones that are in, you're fine, but the people outside, they've got a very different view of the game than we do. And the other people you're trying to attract. So inevitably, you've got to change things. You can't go with the image that they go in with. You've got to have them looking at the game in a different way. So this is one... You know, if you can mm. look at PR people, this is they'll be thinking this is one way to do it. It's kind of folly in our minds, but if you they've just went too far down that that track, I think. I mean, there, there's certainly opportunities to be had for to make the game more attractive to a wider audience using these people. I mean, certainly Tiger. I mean, he he transcends the game and has done for the last 25 years. He he's a huge asset for the game. If you want to think we're going to grow the game, having said that. He hasn't done a very good job in that area. I mean, you look at the PGA Tour and how many black guys hmm. are playing on the PGA Tour. Harold Varner and Tiger and... Cameron Champ. Cameron yeah, Champ has yeah. got a black grandfather. It, it, he's not done a great job in terms of, you know, bringing in minority groups. Hmm. I mean, the game it looks just oh. the same now as it did 25 years ago when Tiger came along. Hmm. I don't think that's necessarily his fault. No, no. not at all, but it, no. it's... He, he hasn't stepped up, either. Correct. Oh, it's been the perfect vehicle and it's been sitting there unused for 15, 20 years. Um, I, I can't talk about it, Andy. I'm so yeah, no, disgusted no. with it. I can't even say it again. It's <laughs> just no, no, too no, repulsive. In the meantime, yeah. speaking about the PGA Tour, John Kelly, Australian Amateur Champion in 1979, was carrying a scoreboard on Thursday at the World Cup. <laughs> and it was hot and he borrowed a ping hat from a friend and happened to get on TV and incur the wrath of the PGA Tour for wearing a hat with advertising on it on TV. I mean, really? This is a guy carrying the scoreboard. Oh, yeah. dear, anyway. I mean, like, come to Australia and great and bring the World Cup crap, but don't... There were a lot of little tiny things that were really annoying last week because Americans come in and do things the way they do them in America. But not, no spectators on Tuesday. It's just terrible. I mean, mm. that's why yep. I learned how to play golf was going to the Dunlop International and the Vic Open and watching Peter Thompson and Bruce Devlin and Gary play, play on Tuesdays. Correct. And you could talk to him, and you walk. I, I watched eighteen holes, Tom Watson and Bruce Crampton. I was the only person watching him. Eighteen holes of Victoria. Well, you can't buy that stuff. Mm. No spectators on Tuesday. I mean, go away. Yeah. Go to America, and you know, and you know they bring the Presidents Cup. Great, but you know, where's all that money going? Yeah. Not staying here. No. It's all going back I, to Ponte Vedra. I, I got six or seven things I could add to that, but I best not for my sake of my employment. I 100% agree with what Clates just said. Okay. You've mentioned the President's Cup. Uh, We need to have a chat about that, which we'll do on the other side of the break. You're listening to Inside the Ropes. 
Hi, I'm Minji Lee, and I'm proud to be an ambassador for MyGolf, Australian golf's national junior program. One of my favorite things about coming back to Australia is seeing all the kids getting into golf. MyGolf is every Aussie kid's first step on their golfing pathway. It's all about fun and friendship, learning golf and life skills in a safe and healthy environment. So, if your child is between 5 and 12 years old, be sure to find a program near you at mygolf.org.au. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes. Um, there's a lot to talk about still, despite the fact that we've... There's carnage, there's just... blood everywhere in here, Andy. Emails, text messages, there's <laughs> people storming the doors trying to get in and get these blokes off air <laughs> for fear of them being next. But anyway, um, the President's Cup, there's a bit of golf to be pl- There's a little bit of golf to be played here and around the world before we get to the President's Cup next December. But um, that'll be the... Yeah, that's going to be one of the next big international events that comes to Australia. Um, how do we maximise that in the next twelve months? How do we make sure that that you know the shot in the arm that golf needs in Australia, from a profile perspective, is given what it needs by virtue of having these two teams come down here in the next twelve months? Well, I'm sure there will be a debate, and I'm sure Clates could probably lead it away about the supposed legacy that gets left by these things, and I think it's. You know, questionable, and we have to turn that around. To be honest, um, from a from an Australian supporting perspective, um, two things. One, we saw the to me, even though he's been a really good player for two or three or four years now, we saw the absolute emergence of Cameron Smith as, as a legitimate fan favourite. Um, not only did he play well throughout most of the tournament, as did Mark Leishman, and um, they. Ham and egg, as they say in the states, Huggy. I they believe. Do. Yes, they ham and egged beautifully for most of the most of the week. Ham and egged. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they when, say that in America. Why are we saying it here? No, I don't know. But yeah. they, they use the term themselves. So when one was one was going well, the other wasn't necessarily there, and yeah. vice versa. And they yeah. they really were went hand in hand for for three days. And on the last day, Cameron Smith was a genuine superstar. And I I just had the good fortune, Andy. One of those things when you actually go out and witness something live um, at any sport. In, in in the world, really. Cameron Smith and Mark Leishman charging at Belgium. They make a couple of birdies on 12 and 13. They come to the 14th. Smith finds the bunker with his second shot on the par five. Big expectation. We'll get up and down for a charge, keep the birdie run train rolling along. And Leishman leaves the shot in the bunker. Tough shot, bad lie, couldn't get it out. Very wet bunkers after all the rain they'd had. And the crowd was deflated just like a pin had pricked the crowd it was really oh my god that's it it's all over Cameron Smith steps into the bunker knowing he's got to now get it up and down to give us any chance at all and plays the most immaculate shot that rolls in with a couple of rolls maybe to spare dead center and just stands there and salutes and the crowd went what do you, what do you say Coco Bananas Bunta Coco Bananas yeah you know whichever way. yeah they went Troppo yeah Troppo yeah and Huggy's sitting here going, what the hell are these idiots yeah, talking no. about? Is he still coming got... to terms with Ruffy, by yeah, the way? Yeah. yeah. What, what's a Ruffy? We had to explain yeah. Ruffy to him at the Australian Open. What, Jared Ruffy? <laughs> no. Somewhere, uh, in Daisy Benny. asked Huggy for his best Ruffy. Oh, pick on the, the punt. I need a favourite and a Ruffy. Come on. Ruffy, no clue. <laughs> Smoke. No clue. Dark horse. Not a clue. No, come on. I'm still clue. trying to get past Barracking, which means the opposite of where I come from. Right. <laughs> anyway, I just thought, you know, and it didn't pan out. He did play an immaculate shot on two holes later on the 16th, for that oh, matter, too. Yeah. Um, it wasn't cashed in on. But um, I just think that the crowd gravitated towards him in that moment. And I think they've had a gut full of Jason Day not being here. Yep. That's my read on the matter. Um, Adam Scott didn't quite qualify, even though he wanted to be there. But that was hard. a good thing, don't you think? Absolutely. I think it was a good... I mean, obviously, the start, 
the preferred team would be Scott and Leishman. But I think it was a great thing that Smith, not Scott, played. And he played so well, and people got to know him. Absolutely. He's a terrific player. Mm. And not um, only did he do that on the course, he gave some really funny, quirky interviews mm, yeah. in, in, in interviews off it. So I think everyone got a first real glimpse of who Cameron Smith is and what he could be. How good yeah. can he be? Yeah, look, he's good. Huggy and I were talking about that this morning. I think yeah, he's really good. He's really good. Whether he's a top 10 player. I mean, tennis always talks about top 10 and top 20, and golf's a bit tricky to judge, but you know, if Wayne Grady can win a major, Cameron Smith can win a major. Yeah. But, you know, you've got to get lucky and have the right thing happen at the right time. But he's a tremendous player. I've watched him play a lot in Sydney and quite yeah. a bit in Melbourne. He's a terrific player. He's great, and a great kid, too. Really nice kid. Yeah. You know, he's perfect. He's one of these guys that I watch and I think to myself, is he as good as everyone tells me he is? And I kind of I go in doubting it. And then, but by the end of every time I've watched him, I thought, <laughs> This kid's better than I thought he was. Yeah, right. <laughs> and he continues to do that. And if he continues to, you know, over the next couple of years to do that again, he's going to be winning majors. So I, he's got a killer short game, which we haven't sent many away with better short games. So that's great. I probably last watched him a lot, Andy, at the US Open at, uh, was it 2016 maybe, at Oakmont? And he was, he was Chambers B did well, wasn't it? Uh, Chambers yeah, Bay was well Chambers fourth. Bay. Three would do but six at, inches. At, yeah. at Oakmont, he was skinny. He was he'd been sick, yeah. and he's actually bulked up. He's got a bit of a Tijuana on him he at the back. Look and like he's Peter when he wears that big hat. <laughs> a bit of that, but he's actually he actually pumps the ball out there now. Mm. He's he's found a bit of length, and I don't think it's long until we see him in the top twenty at least. And you know, from there, it's as Clayt says, it's a bit of a lottery. But um, I, anyway, regardless of all that. I think he's come to national prominence, if only in the golf realm. I don't know. But he's got the potential to be a fan favourite, I reckon. It's hard, isn't it, to... And this is it's an interesting... I know you caught up with both he and Leisha, and we'll hear from them in a moment. Um, but it's hard for domestic audiences to connect with individuals. And that's part of this. That's what you need to have happen if you want to sell an event. You hook it on individuals. That's just how mm. marketing works. It's... It's hard to connect when the bloke lives on the other side of the planet for most of the year. It's a it's a difficult it's yeah. a difficult sell, I reckon. Yeah, it's a really tough thing, and it's unique. To, it's pretty much unique to golf. Mm. I mean, there maybe you could argue tennis, but they can, they come home a lot more, I think. But he's got he's got a great appeal, Cameron Smith. Oh, absolutely. He, he looks like the the kid that you know you would want to come to the door to take your daughter out, you know, at some point and. He's like everybody else's little Oh, your son, if they're that way inclined, well, indeed, you know, yeah. yeah. Let's not, you know, know? Let's not yeah. discriminate. But no, yeah, he's, he's, um, <laughs> he's... Very he's mindful got, of that, that, that sort of stuff these days, Clay. Yes, indeed. He's going to appeal did. across the board, as far as I can see. Yeah, there he, you go. He, looks, he's, he smiles a lot, and he, he reacts. He does things when, mm. when good things happen. It's all good with him. Yeah, I, mean, I think absolutely. You, you've got somebody you can hang your hat on over yep. there. So further to what you were just talking about, Andy, um, on Sunday at the, at the World Cup... In bowls Ernie Els into the media centre and, and the and the the PGA Tour Express sort of tries to crank up the President's Cup. Um, strangely enough, in the middle of the World Cup, but, right. you know, let's put that aside as another questionable <laughs> yeah. decision. But right. it was awesome to have Ernie Els there. And from the moment that Steve Brax called him Ernie Eels, I think everyone in Victoria at least has loved him dearly. Braxy had a good Saturday night, by the way. But anyway, that's another matter. <laughs> um, 60 at Royal Melbourne will endear you to a lot mm. of Australians. And he continues to say all the right things he has throughout his entire career. We had him on the podcast last year, if, if you remember. Mm. Uh, 
he came in and started this sales pitch about how we're going to do this. How, how is it all going to come together? Um, he tried to espouse the theory, and I, I think it's great, that we'll come together a little bit more as a team, hopefully beforehand, and I'll talk about that in a second, but also we need to engage and win it for Australians, Australian fans. So he's really started the active sales pitch. Mm-hmm. So I actually caught up with him afterwards and said to him, um, not only do you have to do that, but sort of what you were getting at a second ago, do you think you need to actually make the playing combination more available to media in the build-up so that we actually know who some of these guys overseas are? Um, I think we can do uh, a good job also from a uh, marketing uh, standpoint is maybe uh, throw out some more stuff to you guys leading up to the event, telling the public who these guys are, Mm. whether it be on you know, YouTube, whatever it is, or even in the newspapers, getting the word out who Abraham Answer is. You know, yeah. he, he was great last week. Yeah. Um, who is Hatong Lee? Who is Joachim Neiman? You know, these type of guys. And giving you a bit more information. I think that's that's another plan that we have yeah. uh, in place, you know, especially with Jeff down here. Getting it on the radio, speaking to about guys, and people can go and Google them and see who they are. Because you've always been accessible, and sometimes yeah. we can't get to the others, that's all. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's part and parcel. Speak to some agents. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I but mean, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You're always on the phone and happy to talk yeah. and doing your, doing your yeah. role. Not everyone does. Yeah, I know. I mean, we can, we can, we can do better on that that point of view we can do that and I think you're right we can speak to the managers and get them get the message through to them a lot of them are a bit shy with the language maybe but um, it'll be good if they speak especially like um, yeah. um, <laughs> um, Mar- Mariama yeah yeah I know that the, I'm thinking about you have some option to get uh, Shigeki as a vice president and vice captain yeah uh, for having fun for Japanese guys, mm-hmm. so Shigeki and Hideki cannot speak English so yeah, much. Hideki, so. but Hideki is, yeah. he's more comfortable with the guys, but mm. he can. He's quite a pleasant. He's a pleasant guy, and he's quite a funny guy. And people need to mm. kind of know that. Uh, I'll, I'll see what we can do. Get it more. So that was great to hear Ernie Absolutely. sort of commit to that. Um, and you know, actually, to be fair. Um, I've only met him a couple of times. He really doesn't have a clue who I am. Only that doofus Australian guy. So it was good that he actually took on a, a uh, you know, a point that I made. And I think he might actually act on that, which is great. A couple of minutes before that, he introduced Jeff Ogilvy as he's one of his vice captains. He's first, and um, Clayton might be able to talk more about him coming home in a second. But then I had the ch- good chance to ask Jeff Ogilvy a little later on about what he would do because of the theory that's largely held that if the Presidents Cup were to be played the week after it's played, we'd do a lot better if it was in the second week around because the teams come together. They're ready to rumble by Sunday night. They've had a few beers. They're good to go. So it all came back down to what we thought could happen during the week of the Australian Open next year, the week before the President's Cup. Jeff Ogilvy, um, just talking about bringing the team together with you and Ernie. I mean, congratulations on the job first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, to get to know the team so that we can all go out there and barrack like lunatics is really important. I think, I mean, I think uh, our team is very fluid. Golf, the world rankings are really fluid these days, especially with how quick these young guys get good and get up in the world rankings. Um, really, normally at this point, you could probably say you know who six of the guys are going to be and probably you could pick the next six out of about ten guys. But now, 
the 12 is going to come out of a pool of about 30 possible people at this point, um, all who has the best kind of year next year. So um, we don't. it's going to be like a moving target for a bit. But as soon as I think we kind of people sort of lock up their stuff, I guess we can uh, just educate the public on each sort of guy. And I think if we can tell a story about each player, every player brings a story, um, something interesting that some people like, that, that, that kind of gets people to know that person. And it's difficult when you've got a team with six or seven nationalities in it. Yep. Um, traditionally, the South Africans, Australians, and New Zealanders, we all kind of speak the same language because the cricket and rugby thing, and we're quite close countries anyway in some respects. But South Korea, Japan, China, India, these bring some culture differences um, that have been sometimes difficult to kind of connect as a team. But Ernie's got some pretty good ideas, and we're getting better at it every time. And um, You know, I think if we can just give the public a bit of a story about each guy and... Um, it's not just kind of a line of guys all in the same uniform walking on the range on Monday morning. This Here's Siwoo Kim. This is what he's done. He was the youngest guy to win the Players' Championship. Really legendary guy and really super guy. Don't let the kind of no emotion exterior kind of baffle you. The guy's really into this. And I'll, I'll just tell some... People just want the stories, don't loves, you think? Loves playing canasta in the... In yeah, the whatever it is. Yeah. Or yeah. He, we ran out of beer last night and Siwoo yeah. was sneaking out the bag. <laughs> oh, fun stuff. Yeah, I mean, correct. I just think people really gravitate to the human stuff, not yeah. the golf side of stuff, but the human stuff. And these guys are all good guys. I mean, I don't know... As I said, I don't know who they all are, but they all come with a story and they all just want to play good golf and win the tournament. And they'll all have more fun if the Australians follow the fanatics and just get really enthusiastic about our team they'll have so much more fun it's uh it'll just be a better event if we can really kind of grab onto these guys and i was i was bugging ernie about it before you came into the press conference there about you know getting him down here and getting him to know getting the aussie crowds to know they are the week before at the australian open yes and you've had your things to say about the australian open too which is good by the way good that you said it um is that important i think down here well it's look this is an opportunity for both, right? It's an opportunity for the international team to get the team together the week before to play in not the same city probably, but the same climate, um, same time zone, yeah. kind of get together, have a few beers, kind of work it all out. So we're not all meeting each other on Monday morning and saying, oh, what are we going to do this week? Not meeting each other, but you know what I mean? We've just Absolutely. got a week under our belt. And it's also an opportunity for the Australian Open to, to get a better field or whichever goes before. I'm not sure how it's going to work, but yeah. yeah. To get a better field and to really like maybe, let's say... This is a year. All right, we're going to kick these train off. We're just this is it. This is our bounce off point. You know, I mean, a really good start. If you really, really put on a good show, maybe of the twenty four, maybe you get seven or eight want to come back the next year. You know, I mean, it's a, so it's an opportunity for these train open too. Um, but you, we couldn't be together enough, the team, for long enough before the tournament. You know what I mean? Like to the, the closer team unit you are, the better. So the, the theory being bandied around is by the end of Sunday night of President's Cup week, we're a really good unit, but it's too Usually late. that's true. Yeah. Like, if we play... If we'd always... I always felt like when we played them, all the ones I've been involved with, playing a captain, if, if we were there the week after, we would have done much better and maybe won if we got to do it again. Yeah. So it's... And we've known this a long time, and, and they are all naturally on the same team, just naturally, because they're all Americans. We are South Korea and China and India and New Zealand and Australia and South Africa, and it's difficult to bring those cultures you're not talking about your football, the NFL or something at dinner you're all separated into different conversations it's just a different feeling yeah. um, but usually by the end everyone's a good guy and everyone gets it and it's great so if we can speed that process up that could only help you know well, well that makes total listening to him say that that makes total sense doesn't it I mean there's some natural advantages from a timing perspective if 
we can get most of the President's Cup team down, like you know, you're talking and Jeff's speculating about, and Ernie thinks is a good idea as well, up against the Americans with the schedule that they're going to be coming off when they get down here. Um, it all, the form lines would lead you to think that the president, the, the internationals are going to be in pretty good nick by the time they get down here, by the time the Yanks get here next year, wouldn't well, you well, think? That, that's always the big thing when you contrast the President's Cup with the Ryder Cup, the teams that play against the Americans, the, the, the contrast between the Europeans and the international teams is vast. I mean, the Europeans are, they bond every mm. week of the year. I mean, they've got a, a common cause to beat the Americans and win the Ryder Cup. And they're always the underdogs. The internationals share that aspect of it, but they're so disparate group. I mean, it's incredibly difficult for them to, to bond together as in a team at all, never mind like the Europeans do in the Ryder Cup. I mean, that's a huge task for Ernie. I mean, he's, he's right to start it, kick the ball off a year with a year to go. I mean, I commend him for that, but it's still going to be very difficult for them to do that. And you're right, playing in the Australian Open the week before... Ernie should be telling them, every, I want everybody here, every yeah. single one of you. Yeah, makes total sense. Well, I think Ernie really wants um, as many, if not all, of the Australian team, to uh, the international team to come and play at the Australian Open. Mm. So, mm. you know, the chances of us getting half of the American team are almost non-existent because um, of Tiger's absolute nonsense event in the Bahamas. Sorry, there's another there's another oh, that's sort of um, body in the on the floor huggy, but yeah. anyway, um, <laughs> that's on this week, isn't it? It's yeah. on this it's week, on this yeah. Week, yeah. And, and and it's going to be on the same week as the Australian Open next year, which is just you know it, it, it that's honestly just blows my mind how stupid and naive that is. But uh, given that we're not likely to be able to change it, that's what it is. And you know, stuff it. I don't care what happens. I don't care if the Americans are lethargic and buggered and knackered at the end of the year. Uh. If we can stick it up them at the international at, as, <laughs> at the President's Cup, then I'm all for it. What are the chances of um, players who are Americans who are going to be in the American President's Cup team who get invited by Tiger to play in his event saying, no, I'd rather go to Australia and get ready for the President's Cup, Zero. which you're the captain of. Zero. What are the chances Zero. of that happening? <laughs> Absolutely. Zero and none. Absolutely. So what, none. Let me pose this to you all then. What happens if Jason Day gets the invite from from, uh, from Tiger to come and play in the Bahamas? Well, he's got to say no. Mm, that's a he's playing this week in the Bahamas instead of playing the Australian Pete. Do you think he... Even if he didn't play the Australian Open, you would think he might like to think he would come back and play in his home but, state, wouldn't you? But he has to say no next year, doesn't he? I mean, with, with if he's fair income, and he wants to be seen to be fair income, he needs to. That means real and genuine, John. Yeah. If you don't know, Ernie, El, yeah, Ernie yeah. Els is um, is going. He's a hard man to say no to. I would think. I mean, I've seen Ernie with a couple of beers in him, and I would cross him. Ernie would break you in half. So, yeah. how does Jason yeah. Day sell it? to fans of Australian golf and fans well, of the unit. How does he sell it to us if he decides to play in the Bahamas and fly over well, here with the rest of the it's Americans? It's a moot, po- moot point because he shouldn't do that. No, but what if, if he if, does? If, well, in that case, he's even stupid, more stupid than I thought. Mm. I mean, because that is just the most, that would be the dumbest move of his career. And there's been a few up to now. And that would be, that would take the biscuit. Which we suspect is, his, his manager is not, but the manager doesn't, doesn't care about Australia. You can say no he's, to managers. They, they're the boss, well, right? You can sack Cameron, him. They can sack their manager. And Cameron Smith did, I think, yeah. in playing the Australian Open this year. But he did. Jason doesn't, and which is fine. But 
your image down here is going to get worse and worse. And his manager doesn't care about it. In fairness to his manager, he doesn't care about his image in Australia. But does Jason, does yeah. Jason, Jay, does Jason Day care about no, his image? No, clearly not. If he did, he would not enough come. Well, he's married to an American woman. They've got American, you know, yeah. American kids. They're growing up in America. Jason Day's intention might be to live the rest of his life in America. Oh, I'm sure right. it is. You know, so, you know, he, 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 doesn't, he probably doesn't give it. It probably doesn't. He may not care at all what people back here for two well, or three weeks of yeah, year are saying well, about in him. In that case, he's got to be prepared for the the, the, the lash he's going to get when he gets. Well, it's not so much the, the lash. It's like, well, if you don't, then why should we care about you? I mean, you know, yeah. the love gets reciprocated if it reciprocates. But if you know, I don't care if Jason Day wins the Masters or not. Yeah, I mean, Ernie can't. Yeah, he, well, yeah. Ernie can't. He, he's going to be landed with eight people, with eight qualifiers, and he gets four picks. But if Ernie wants to be really bloody minded about this, he should say to them. I'm not picking anybody who's not playing in the Australian Open. So would it be a good idea at the Australian Open if there are four groups on the Thursday and the Friday all containing the President's Cup teams, member, team members? Well, you can do But it. get them to play together. They should be playing together on the, whatever, the, the PGA Tour or whatever. I mean, the, the, Paul McGinley famously did that before the Ryder Cup at Glen Eagles four years ago. He had, um, he had Victor Dubuisson from France, who's a strange character to say the least he had it in his mind he was going to play with Graham McDowell at the Ryder Cup and Graham McDowell played with Dubas on any number of times on the European Tour in the months leading mm. up to the Ryder Cup so they were big buddies by the time they got to Glen Eagles. Ernie should be doing some of that. Experiment with the pair, see who gets on, see who doesn't Yeah, cause you, you can make yeah. that happen at you're, you're the well, you can I make think, that happen I think China. if um, Ernie comes to the party and helps all this come together it's the least that Golf Australia and the Australian PGA can do is to make that happen. Yeah. Uh, to me, it's a no-brainer. They might want to spread it out a little bit, but we've got to do everything we can to beat the Americans. Yeah. It's as simple as that. The other bloke who should be playing in this round up is Ernie Ells, too. Well, yeah, while we're at sure it. will. Mm. Yeah. I wouldn't no, put no, that past walking around talking, there. Yeah. Talking, well, to, talking to him the other day, I don't reckon it's past him at all. There's no point Ernie Ells walking around watching those guys get and play Ernie. Yeah. Um, mm. and introduced, Danny, I don't know if you saw it or not, but the logo. Did you see that? I don't know whether I did see the logo, no. They launched at Royal Melbourne on Monday, uh, actually on Sunday night, a, a new logo. And for what it's worth, it's um, like a, it's a navy blue with a couple of yellow stripes. So it's impossible for me to describe it, but it's got space in the centre of, of the logo for each individual country flag that's represented. So if Lahiri gets in there, there's an Indian flag. If Neiman gets in there, there's a Chilean flag. Um, just to give something, I'm not saying this is, <laughs> that's clearly not the... Um, you know, the solve all for Ernie and beating the Americans, but he's trying stuff. So just from, mm. if we if we flick back through this, reduced it to 30 matches instead of 32. So we've lost a, um, you know, a fifth four ball and a fifth foursomes on the Saturday. Um, he's got eight picks, as, uh, four picks, as Huggy mentioned. And now you don't have to play um, more than once before the singles. Mm. So he's actually pushing back against the US Tour, God bless him. Um, and, um, you know, hopefully all these things, if one of them clicks and we just get an extra couple of percent, mm. who, know, who knows? Uh, we couldn't, we hung on, well, I shouldn't say speak on behalf of everybody, but I suspect we were hanging on every single shot from the Ryder Cup, and we do. We, I can't wait for the next Ryder Cup. Yeah. I can't wait for it. It's the best golf event yeah. on the calendar, you know, even though I don't It's most fun to watch. It's, it is, yeah. no doubt. Does anybody in Europe care about the President's Cup? Does it make... Does it is there, is there a ripple of interest? Not much, right? I would say no. It's um, although we do enjoy, we'd enjoy it more if you guys were winning. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or, yeah. or to put it another way, if the Americans were losing. Right. Uh, now, I don't get into this 
Hazy and I talked a little bit about this the other day, and we we've kind of gone down this path a little bit before of us today about how you know we, let's beat the Americans, let's stick it to them, let's do this and that. There was a line of questioning uh, to the Australian lads when they came in after the the World Cup, the the final round the other day, and what it was basically there was a, a question along the lines of let's give the Americans nothing, let's give them nothing, and talking about the crowd. Now I've been to every Ryder Cup since 1993. And I've seen some things at Ryder Cups that were, you know, beyond distasteful involving the crowds. Is You've got to be very careful that we don't go down that road next year. You don't mm. want any of that nonsense in the, in the President's Cup. You want to bring the Australian crowd, you know, you want to bring the American crowd up to the level of the Australian crowd. You don't want the Australian crowd descending to the level of an American crowd. When the, there was implications certainly in the in the line of questioning that I'm talking about and we've kind of touched on that a wee bit as well you, there's a line to be drawn I mean I don't believe that anybody who's a golfer is going to stand there and boo another golfer for when they hit a bad shot or whatever yeah, yeah. but the trouble is you get at these things you get people who are not really golfers mm-hmm. and they need to be educated into look by all means cheer louder for the home team but you do not boo or jeer or do anything to put the other guys off you know you, d- yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. give them polite applause if they hit a great shot you don't cheer you know that's all fair enough, but I thought it was it was slightly disquieting the, the line of questioning on Sunday night for the Australian lads. The Australian crowds have never they've never been like that. <coughs> no, I mean, but the, the yeah. danger is that you're well, going to rev them up. Into, yeah. happening like that. But but even a bad Collingwood crowd would be better than an American Ryder Cup crowd yeah, in America. Disgraceful. Well, we're lucky that we're represented um, by as a supporter body by the fanatics, who are yeah. clearly going to be part of the. Uh, <laughs> President's Cup again. Gone here. Oh, they're going to be they're going to be around again, and uh, isn't it great the way golf embraces <laughs> fanatics? Well, isn't it great, Clay? What are you doing, Clay? Clay, well. come back. Let's get rid of them. <laughs> what? Let's get rid of them. We haven't the, the Ryder well, Cup. Well, we have the same guys, the same group of the similar guys at the Ryder Cup dressed like? in this similar like? uniforms. No, they're just as bad. They're just the same. I mean, but the European Tour apparently did say to them this year, you know, chill out a little bit. You know, it's not all about you. I will say, I mean, everyone's got their thoughts on the fanatics, Andy. I'm not going to sway anyone here, especially not Clates. But um, both, or all of Ernie, Jeff Ogilvie, and Mark Leishman all sung their praises about, you know, if you follow their lead next year, you know, that's a good start for us. Leishman was a fascinating huggy, wasn't he? I mean, he he could tell that he's still stung by what happened at New Jersey last year. And I don't blame him. And his wife, Audrey, wrote, you know, a really telling column. After the President's Cup of 2017, but that's what I mean. We don't want to. We want to bring them to our level. We don't want to go down to meet. To I meet agree. Them. Bring mm. them up to meet us. Mm. No, I agree with that. Um, but it was really, it was fascinating. Like he had some strong thoughts on it. It wasn't just a throwaway sort of mm. line. It was a. He was engaged in the conversation. Well, for those who didn't hear it, what was he talking about? Well, um, what Huggy's referring to there, and, and Audrey Leishman wrote about, was you know the just vile behaviour of yeah. the American crowd, like pure you know vitriol directed, you know abuse, straight out abuse, and you know stuff that has no part in golf whatsoever, which is exactly what Huggy's saying. And you could you could tell that Leish was keen to sort of give a bit back, and he, he actually said, "I'm probably pushing too close to the line here and talking what I'm saying uh, with the, with his own tour, the USPGA tour." Um, but I think he, I think he wants the crowd to come out and really rev them up uh, on on Saturday on Sunday in particular when the Australians were rallying at Belgium, 
um, he was elevated by what the crowd was doing. He said, unbelievable to have 98% of the crowd behind you and every time we hit a good shot to hear them roar. Yeah. So I don't experience that in the States, even when I'm playing well and winning a tournament. So I think we've got to find the happy medium yeah. there. We definitely seen that's wrong, I think. No, no. But he was, you know, he said, you know, follow the lead of the fanatics, have fun, get, you know, get loud, yeah. get loud. Yeah. But just, I agree with Huggy, don't be obnoxious. It's got no place. Actually, you guys would have laughed. I was out in the course and there was a young guy, probably 12 or 13, just yelled out, get in the hole at one stage. And he nearly, he nearly died in a barrage of abuse from everyone around him. So it was, uh, it was very funny. It was the self-policing nature was, of the Was that when crowds. Cameron Smith had that pitch into the 16th hole? No, it wasn't. Someone yelled out, with, get in the hole. It was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> but we shouldn't make too much of this either. I mean, no, 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 no. It's a real side shit, yeah. All the yeah. bad stuff. In the Ryder yeah. Cup has yeah. happened in America. Mm. I mean, the American players might say, you know, it's the same for us when we go to Europe. No, it's not. It's not even close. It's, that's just nonsense. Mm. All the bad stuff's been in America. We're going to break out of the way inside the ropes. Uh, there's a few other bits and pieces we need to get to before we wrap it up for another show. We'll do that on the other side of this. Hi, this is Sherelle McMahon. Swing Fit is the fun, healthy, social way for women to get started in golf. You'll learn the basics of the golf swing and how to putt over a six-week program and get your whole body moving through yoga and Pilates-style exercises. You don't need any golf knowledge or equipment. Simply turn up in comfy clothing and get started. You'll be surrounded by like-minded people and receive constant support. So get outdoors, meet new friends and learn a sport that you can play for the rest of your life. To find a program Welcome back to Inside the Ropes. Uh, depending on when you're listening to this, the um, Australian PGA Championship will either be just around the corner or underway. Might even be run and won. Um, and one. You've been in outstanding forecasting form, Thanks for tipping over up. an answer to win <laughs> Huggies, Australian Open. Huggies well, just uh, got over that. That was outstanding <laughs> by you. Um, are you, have you had a vision? Have you closed your eyes? And have you, have. has a name presented itself to you? Like this octopus who sort of <laughs> predicts the World Cup winner? I've, I haven't been called an octopus for a long time, Andy. So you have in, been accused of being all arms and legs at some stage. That though. is very Very true. handsy in your youth. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say what I wanted to say there. Um, who wins the PGA? I actually had a vision of Lucas Herbert and Cameron Smith shaking hands and going to the start of playoff. That'll be good for Australian golf. That, if that happens, we'll be no, excited. they've both got cards. We, um, we need someone who hasn't got a card yeah, in Europe a, to yeah, win. I like that. They, yeah. Those guys are fine. But, um, yep. Now, if Jordan Zunick had won the Australian PGA last year in the mm. playoff with Cameron Smith, it would have changed his career because he would have oh. got a card in Europe and had someone to play. He's a terrific player. So we need someone who doesn't have a card in Europe to win the Australian Well, who would you like that to be? Is there somebody you'd be barracking for? Matty Griffin, well, that make us, that'd make um, us happy. That'd make us happy, happy wouldn't it? Um, I wasn't aware that everybody in the field was Australian. I mean, that's <laughs> <laughs> Australian. So you're barracking for Beef Johnston? I'm going for, I tell you, there's a kid that you need to watch. You know, he's not going to win this week, but he's just got his card. He played last week in Hong Kong. He was reasonably well up after three rounds. Shot 75 in the last round. His name is Robert McIntyre. He's left-handed. He's from Auburn in Scotland, from this tiny little club in the back of beyond, and he beat Cameron Champ in the Walker Cup oh, in yeah. America last year. I watched him play the Australian amateur, and he's great fun to watch. Yep. He's got a bit about him, and he's not going to, as I say, he's not going to win this week, but just one for the future. Can he's, I give you? He's a, a really good player. He's mm. really fun to watch and well, a great character. I'll give you a futures. Yeah, Nick Voke. 
will win something. Yeah, he'll win something good he's soon. He's a New Zealand kid. He's yeah, a gunner, yeah, yeah. Man. He'll win something yeah. good soon. I need to see him play. He's, he's a that, good player. He's a gun, yeah. he's, we saw him last two years ago in the Asian Pacific, and um, he's a good player. He really is, and I, I'm not sure he's, he's as, as big a roughy. <laughs> hey, I'm as, as, your as bloke. big a roughy as Huggies. I'm, now that I've got the, the hang of this roughy thing, I'm going. <laughs> there you go. You're running, running him up. Voke's a legitimate player. He's yeah. a good player. Yeah, yeah, he'll win something pretty soon. Um, we touched on it earlier, but we do need to give it a bit more time in the sun. And that is, I mean, Jeff, you meant, oh, Jeff, uh, Clates, you mentioned um, the Vic Open. But the news that fell last week about the evolution of the women's side of the draw, now, now that it's got LPGA tour status with the men enjoying European stuff, this is just remarkable. It continues to surprise what this tournament is. It's a juggernaut, about. isn't it? It really is at the moment, and it's a, joy, it's a joyful one. It's great. So the story news, is that the L- LPGA has um, sanctioned the Vic Open. Um, it's come, in some ways, at the expense of the LET, mm. uh, which is no longer a sanctioning partner. I don't think it's going to have any influence at all on the number of LET players who are in the field. As far as I can make out, we're still going to see 50 or 55 of the best LET players there. Hopefully they'll all turn up. They've still got a big swing through the rest of Australasia. Um, so while it hasn't got sanctioning status, they should still be able to play, and that'll be great. I know there's been some criticism around that from some of the players. It's only been on the LET two years. Hopefully they'll play, and maybe, just maybe, they'll figure out a way to get the money on the money list anyhow, and it doesn't. It all washes through. But whichever way you cut that, it's a big step up for the Vic Open, and to have a global stage um, is enormous. And for it, hopefully, maybe, to be the first full field, I'm pretty sure it will be, the first full field event on the LPGA Tour is enormous. Mm. Um, no rushing from the Bahamas or Florida, wherever it's been in the last couple of years. There might be a tournament, but it won't be full field before that is my understanding. Um, so that's awesome. Two weeks in, the, in, in Australia means we'll probably get a better field from the LPGA as well because they won't want to miss two events. And hopefully we might, this is something for you, Andy, we might inst- instigate something like a road to Adelaide. Uh, whereby there might be a two-week money list or something like that, just to great. just to tweak people up another notch um, for the Women's Australian Open um, in Adelaide at the Grange the week after. So from the start of February through the middle of February, that's just awesome news for all golf in Australia, particularly women's golf. Brilliant. That's great news. Super. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, yep. You should talk to Mike about this. He knows more about the Vic Open. He caddies in it every year, for goodness sake. Yeah, but he's, the, he should be banned. Really? From doing well, so. Oh, because on. he doesn't wear shorts. Well, that's right. And he doesn't hug the players at the end. Uh, that's okay. I'm not. I, I, I think the air hugging is a. No, he leaves his cap on when he shakes hands, which well, is disgraceful. Failed to mention that <laughs> you might be cutting for. We're, we're talking. Oh, who? He's right. an exclusive. Scotland's number two ranked player now behind Karen da- Karis Davidson. That's right. Yes. Katrina Matthew. Yeah. Old, is that right? Old friend of mine. We're from the same part of the world. If she plays and I'm here, I think I might be on the bag. Yes. Well, she needs to play and you need to be here. Then, if that's, that's the case, right. yeah, those two things need to happen. Well, you wear you wear shorts even if it's about four degrees. You'll be wearing shorts, yes, because it will be hot. I'll tell you who I'll be there. Another girl. Will you is, ever wear shorts, no. Kenny? No. Um, what is his problem? And, and Van Dam. Anyone seen yeah, Anne she's, Van yeah, Dam? Yeah, she won the yep. Spanish Open last week on the European Tour. Mm-hmm. From she's an unbelievable yeah, player. Yeah, Not unbelievable, she's fantastic. Yeah, big, tall, athletic Dutch girl who smashes it. So, yeah. She'll she's the exact type of player who will be at the Vic Open, yeah. whether she's got LPGA status or not. She'll get a start for sure. Mm. Um, and I, I hope that all the girls who've supported it as LET players can come down and play and get that sorted out. It won't be a problem. There's still mm. be 50, 55 maybe slots for mm. LET players. We need that um, Felicity Johnson down to play too. Correct. 
please. Yeah, she needs to come because she needs to come and work in Australia at Golf Australia. So, Flick, when you're listening, get your passport, <laughs> pack your suitcase up, get down here and get into Simon Brookhouse at the Vic Open because <laughs> you'll be working and living here within six months. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. There you go. Dump so, that. What's her football team? That stupid Queen's Park Rangers? Is it? The, the, the I team? think so. London team. Yeah, yeah just, yeah. You live without them. What, they're, what division Carlton, are they in these days? Coming back yeah, for Carlton, they're as bad probably, as Probably, yeah. I don't know, second or third division. Yeah, yeah. No, they're not, not good. Um, yeah. um, so by the time you're listening to this, I've said that before, but I'll say it again because it's about something different. You'll know who's won the Greg Norman medal. Who will that be? Uh, I hope it's Minji Lee. Well, it has to be, really. Minji Lee, yep. There you go. So uh, that's that one out of the way. Not out of the way, but rightly won, and, but we don't know who it is and we don't want to spend any time on it because it'll be done by the time you're listening to us. Who should win the World Player of the Year? Which is, when is that announced? That's coming up, isn't it? It'll be soon, I would think, yeah. now that we're done with Who announces it? Does anyone? I'm not sure. Whether it's, uh, <laughs> well, it's a PGA Tour Player of the Year. Is it? Is okay. the Orby Kepka, for sure. Has to be, doesn't um, it? So we should pick our own. Yeah. Our picks are more important than anyone else's. Well, so. we know more about it, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Why wouldn't it be him, though? Well, because it could be Frankie Molinari. It could that, be, that's the it... only other possibility. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it depends how you look at this. I mean, your criteria is player of the year. If you take year literally, Molinari over the course of the 12 months has done more than, than Kepka. True enough. All that he's won two majors because Kepka didn't play for the first quarter of the year. He was injured. But Molinari, it's pretty impressive when you list it. He, he won the biggest event on the European Tour. He won the Open Championship. He won an event on the PGA Tour. He won the race to Dubai, and he won five points out of five at the Ryder Cup. That's a pretty good year. I mean, that's a pretty good spread <laughs> from start to finish. Now, so, Kepka, having said that, Kepka, it's hard to go past the guy who wins two majors in the impressive fashion that he did it. And, mm. and he won that thing in Korea. He, he won one more PGA. He won in Korea, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. yeah. He swayed me. I think I'm going to go with Molinari. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I like Eri Jutanagan too. Um, Good, of course. Yeah, rightfully um, mentioned. Um, we did touch on the President's Cup earlier. Is it possible that um, the fellow who won in Japan and beat Brendan Jones last week will be... Sorry, how possible is it that he will be in the team? Because if we can get him in the team and get him down to Australia as soon as, and as often as possible, then there'll be no shortage of um, press coverage. Ho-Sung Choi. Ho-Sung Choi. One of the more extraordinary things, I uh, was on radio the other day trying to describe his swing, which is a fraught with problems. It's, Huggy, it's, that it's like an octopus trying to get out of a telephone box. <laughs> yeah. I, went, I went with a samurai swordsman who's had five or six too many sakis. <laughs> right. What do you want to go with? Uh, You're a well, it looks like he's giving it the Billy Barrett, the, you know, the drop kick with his right foot <laughs> as he comes through the ball. But yeah, he's um, he won't make the team because he's... Likely not good enough to make the team, not to make the first eight, and he's never going. Ernie's never going to no, choose him. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it would be great to watch him play golf. Too. He's so he's so <laughs> That's so great. funny. It's an extraordinary he, swing. So this is a guy who's in his forties, didn't pick up a club till after he was twenty five years of age. Korean fisherman. Uh, <laughs> there's your pedigree right there. Korean fisherman winning on the Japan Tour. It's. I feel sorry for Brendan Jones that yeah. he was on the wrong side of it, but that is a tremendous, tremendous story that that guy can. Play golf at that level and win. Yeah. Everybody should YouTube the guy. Yeah, host unsure. Has to be seen once. Well, it's nice that he's not a product of the American college system. That's <laughs> a bit of, nice, isn't it? Speaking isn't of Brendan Jones, does he have a chance to make the President's Cup team? Can he play well enough to make that team? Oh, he'd have, to, he'd have to be in the top eight because there's no way only picking the same deal. But mm. yeah, well, why not? He's, he's he just keeps racking up the the money and the the finishes up there. He 
You know, if we, the big problem he's got, and they all have, if you're not on the US tour, is that the US tour has got a, um, a mortgage on the power of the official world golf ranking points. Which is fair enough. They've got the best players, and the yeah. Mm. But uh, yeah, that's it. Goes it definitely counts against if you if you put the comparable players in Japan and the US tour, the US tour guy will get on. So um, it's going to be fascinating to see mm. how it all washes so out. He would have to win three times in Japan to yeah, make I that team. So. Not beyond the realms of possibility. Not at all. But, not at you know. all. So, question for the Presidents Cup: If you're Ernie Elson, you're setting up the golf course. Someone said on Twitter the other day they should set the course up how it was designed with hard and fast greens. Which kind of begged the question: Do you think they were running greens at 14 in 9:26 when they designed the greens? But should they should the greens be hard and slow or hard and fast? Because if you were picking the international team now, Americans are well used to hard fast greens. I would have thought the way to go if you were going to try and manipulate the golf course to suit your team would be to set the greens up at Royal Melbourne hard and slow. Slow as in 10 feet, not 14 feet. So I hope they don't make the mistake of let's make them hard and fast with the assumption that that'll suit the home players when home players might be from Chile, Chile, Canada, Mexico, Korea, yeah. Japan <laughs> with four Australians. <laughs> well, the last thing you want is... Scary, hard, fast, raw Melbourne greens. You want hard because you don't want Americans stiffing the ball all day and no win. And you want them slow because you want your players to putt them. And the Americans are may, way, way more used to fast greens than slow greens. I mean, you know more about this than, than any of us here, but the, is it right to say that the, the speed of the greens is really the only option you've got? Raw Melbourne, yeah. Melbourne. yeah. There's you, not much you can do. No, you ruin the course if you go rough on it. And that's, so the golf, they play the golf course the way the members play it, mm. except the speed of the greens. And I think they ought to consider, in fact, I think they should do, make their greens slow. Make them as slow as you can. As hard as you can, as slow as you can. We've got a, um, a foot in a camp here, Andy, because um, Clayton's business partner, Jeff Ogilvy and, and Ernie Els, as yes. captain and vice-captain, are on it. Already, they're already talking about this sort of stuff. Okay. So I think whatever Clayt says, you know, has a fair chance of, you know, at least being heard, if nothing else, obviously. Yeah. Um, but they're they're intent on figuring out what gives us the best advantage. It's not going to be hard for Jeff to keep an eye on it. He's, his house is about five hundred yards from Melbourne. <laughs> <That's laughs> we, we spoke about it in China. It was funny. Ernie Ernie was up there selling his. Uh, he was the salesman for a business owner who's. Um, selling club memberships in China. And this bloke, Ernie's, Ernie's man, opened up the press conference with, Ernie, it's terrific to have you here. And I would very much like to thank you for six-putting the first green at Augusta a couple of years ago. Because every time you missed a putt, my logo on your collar is on the television. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that reminds me. One thing I want to ask you before I'm done. Can you, speaking of pace of greens, difficult greens, and multiple putts on a green... What were you thinking after Dimi Papadatis' first putt on 14? I on wasn't the... watching, but he played the whole, like, no, badly, didn't he? he well, he hit, he was he on hit the front his signature way right. Like, he, so had six, he, he had six layers of did green. Did he drive in that big gunge on the right? He, yeah, he did. And then he, he, and he smashed his second onto that kind of right front, and the pin was back Is, left. Was he on for two? Or, he was Just on for three, the, wasn't he? On for three, was he? I thought he hacked it out of the gunge on the right. He had four putts. I know he had four putts. Well, you're supposed to... that. Green. I thought you would have somehow kind well, of that enjoyed gr- watching I didn't him see do it. That. But, well, like Tony O'Rourke, who was the captain of the club, he when was we did the redesign. Yeah. Um, he said you haven't got a shot. He said you're dead. 
Yeah. Is it you have so no shot? The idea of making that green so big because it was it was a massive green side over that water was to shame guys into going for it for two because it's such a big green site. But if you hit in the wrong place, you're going to three putt. You're yeah. supposed to three putt. If you hit it 100 foot from that hole, you're not supposed to two putt yeah. unless you had an unbelievable first putt or a great second putt. So, I mean, you don't want guys four putting, but absolutely you want guys three putting. You're supposed to three putt from there yeah. because on the old green, you'd have been 15 yards off the green in a bunker or chipping or unlikely taking three to get down. Yeah. By the way, he played a great tournament. How does the core super feel about 16 handicappers who are on that far away from the hole taking out their wedge when they're on the green? <laughs> oh, that's okay. Do they happy, happy with that? That's grass. Gouging yeah. holes in it to try and sort of avoid yeah, going over the layers and the levels. Right. No, we, had, we did have an interesting Twitter discussion with Cameron Smythe. who hit the ball past the hole on the second day and had to putt down the tier. A putt you couldn't get within eight feet. And we discussed whether that was fair or not or right or wrong or not and there were two answers, there, were, there were two legitimate answers to that question my point to Travis was you know on the tee you can't hit the ball past that hole if you mm. hit it past the hole up that tier the best you're going to do is eight foot you can't hit it there you know on the, on the life of your grandmother and your mother and your children do not hit the ball there you take one less club and you don't hit it there yeah so if you do hit it there you're going to have an eight-footer for Pay price. the second part. Yeah, perfect. But anyway, that, that's a controversial wild green. But, you, you know, it's, I, don't, I, I think Dimmy was on for three. So he had a bad drive, hacked it out. Okay, right. Bad yeah. third. Well, you're supposed to make six. Yeah. You're not supposed to make seven, but that's your fault if you're four part. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, I think the course stood up and the yeah, feedback good. and reaction to it yeah. was good. Well, I think the last two. Yeah. I mean, as, yeah. as a member at Metro, I think it shows that you can't have better PR than a big tournament like that showing off your golf course. I mean, I didn't hear anything, but this course is incredible last week. Yeah. So we've had two good weeks. You know, Royal yep. Pines this week is just what it is. But I think the Lakes and Metro were, were terrific advertisements for golf in Australia. Here, here. Uh, we're done. We've gone for way too long, as we generally do. Um, <laughs> Clay, it's good to see you. Thank you. Thanks Man, for Great to finally you're back. We don't have to put up with Hazy. Uh, you know, his amateurish performance. But he, he was good. He was good, but... <laughs> He's, nothing he, like you, mate. Nothing like you. Fair, thanks, Clay. Huggy, like delightful. Uh, we'll see you in. We'll see you in February. Hopefully, it's and always we'll, a pleasure. We're looking forward to it. Hazy, thank you, my friend. Good to see you back. And you, thank I mean, God, not, you're, you're not back. back. Good to be back. No, thank you. God, you're back. That has been Inside the Ropes, <laughs> episode number seventy-five. Believe it or not, we'll be. Who knows how many there'll be by the time we get back here next week. <laughs> Hazy might just pop out another four or five before <laughs> we get back here. Uh, we'll be back then to do it, if not sooner. See you then. Bye.